Get ready to strap on your boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. This podcast is supported by one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange platforms, Bybit.com. Sign up today and get up to $1,000 in bonuses and coupons. You can also join a $400,000 trading competition along with other contests where you can win Bitcoin prizes and so much more. Just go to bybit.jasonsherman.org to sign up. That's B-Y-B-I-T dot In today's episode of Startup Journey, I have Dr. Ty Belknap, the CEO of Port Bell, with me today on the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jason. I'm very happy to be here. Appreciate it. One of the most intriguing things I noticed when I was doing a little digging was that not only were you homeless as a teenager, but mm-hmm. then you became a beach bum surfer. <laughs> <laughs> and, out, and out of that whole thing, you somehow landed into technology and started a business. I, I know you probably get the question all the time is how did that all happen? But what I'm more curious about is what was the catalyst that made you realize, well, wait a minute, I don't have to do this anymore. I can, I can run this technology business. Like what was that moment or the day when it happened? The funny thing is actually I've never gotten that particular question before. So thank you. That's awesome. I, Hawaii, I was a beach bum in Hawaii, and Hawaii is very expensive to live. And so I I had quit a job there, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I realized that I had about three months worth of income for for Hawaii terms to figure out what I wanted to do or or, what I wanted to do next. And I decided, well, I'm going to move back to the mainland. And that three months worth of income lasted me about a year on the mainland. And that's what the, the price differences are. But after that year, I had no job. I've been bumming around the Pacific Northwest for about a year, just goofing off. And I decided to get a job. And the, literally the only job I could find was selling computers. And it, the selling part I never really liked, but I immediately just loved doing the computer stuff. And I just, I became a, a total techie nerd within just months of starting the job. And your ca- so, your catalyst it, sounds a lot like mine because I started out building computers for people. They wanted mm-hmm. custom computers. So is that kind of what you were doing? You were building custom PCs or you were just selling like Dell computers? I don't think Dell was even around back then. This is, I, I'm, I'm old. So this was a long time ago. Okay. Um, but uh, no, what I was doing is I'd sell computers, but they were so new that people didn't know how to run them. Um, generally you didn't have enough memory in them to do anything. And so once I sold them, people would come back and, and they'd hire me after work hours to teach them how to do it, to, you know, fix and repair and upgrade their computers. So we're and talking that's how about, I doing that. talking about like the Commodore 64s and the Vic 20 type of stuff or like the original IBM computers? Um, not, not quite that old. Uh, it was the, the 386s. Microsoft okay. three, uh, Windows 3.1 had just come out. Got so it. back around 1991, 1990, 1991, around, around there. Yeah. yeah. So, so DOS was king at that point. Yeah, definitely. Floppy disks. That's cool. I mean, it's it's cool that you actually found that niche. I mean, I did the same thing. I was teaching people how to run computers. I was mm-hmm. teaching people how to do things because I didn't know how to do anything, right? So yeah. it was a good niche to be in. Now, during that time, you must have had some sort of challenge transitioning from that technology business to a web development business, which is what you run now in an SEO mm-hmm. business. So the, the transition between, and I did the same thing, by the way. So I went from oh, really? building computers, yeah, building computers and teaching people how to run mm-hmm. computers to building websites for businesses mm-hmm. to then, you know, scaling that into a web development shop, right? Mm-hmm. Mobile app development shop. So right. 
for you, what were your challenges when you were doing that? There must have been some, you know, some obstacles that you had to face in order to, to go from the hardware mm-hmm. to then the software. Yeah, there were some challenges. One of the big things we were doing is, and back then, there really wasn't much of a difference between hardware and software. If you, you Kind of if you did one, you did them both. It wasn't really separated back then. So I was learning one of the most difficult programs to learn called C++ back then. And it was very difficult. I got you a book do, like this big about it. <laughs> yeah. And you'd work on it for a week before you could hit a button to find out if what you did worked or didn't work. And so there was very little to, to, to know. I mean, you type one character wrong and the whole program's gone. Then you have to debug everything. Well, I, I actually worked at Microsoft right around 1995. And that was when I designed my first website. I was on the help desk when 95 came out. And so that was a huge thing. Oh my God. And it it was awesome though. We've learned so much so quick, but everything that we learned to troubleshoot windows 95 didn't work in the real world. We had to re redo everything. So as a part of that, I actually designed a, a website called troubleshooting windows 95 that I put out there. And that's how I actually got into, into web design was doing that one website. And it was really so exciting. Cool. Because, oh, it's a, I, I love doing it. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I was something similar. I built a website for uh, a class in college on, mm-hmm. uh, for my business. And once I did that, I was like, oh my God, I can actually sell stuff for my business on this mm-hmm. page for people. I was immediately hooked. So I totally get it. Yeah. Now, let's say you had a time machine, right? And you can mm-hmm. go back to when you made a big mistake. Like there's, everybody's got a big mistake in their life, right? If you, <laughs> you could go back in time, business related, right? Business related. Okay. And you could fix something so that something bad doesn't happen. What would, what would that moment be? And how would you have avoided it? You know, that's a tough question. I actually have two or three failed businesses under my belt before I started doing my web design business. And I made some, I made some very big mistakes, but I learned so much from them that I, if, I, if I could go back, I'd almost be nervous not to make them because then I might make them when it was even more important to do. But I, I actually, I would say the one big mistake I made in, in my failed businesses was not taking them seriously enough, was not dedicating the time to them and, and the training. And that was one thing that working on computers taught me was you got to train a lot, no, no matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter the kind of business you have. You really need to, to learn and keep learning, even if you're a hairdresser, because even hairstyles change. I love that. That's, that's one of the biggest points in my book is to mm-hmm. become an expert at what you're doing, learn the industry inside mm-hmm. and out, understand what the market wants and needs from what you're doing and, you know, really researching and learning everything about it. So I totally get that. And uh, that, you know, that's one of the things that mentors provide, right? So I'm sure yeah. you've had at least one or two mentors as they've given you knowledge or wisdom over the years. What was one piece of crucial advice that you were given throughout your career from someone that really made a difference? The biggest thing that made a difference, I think, and it was when I first started my my own technology business, was I, I was getting into these these multi level marketing things because I, my business wasn't making a lot of money at first. So I started doing other things to try to make money. And a friend of mine said, it, "It's just really simple." He said, "You know, if you're in if you're into something, get into it. If not, get out." And I'm sure he probably got that quote from someone else. But really, what it means is go in a hundred percent. No matter what you're doing, just do it with everything you've got. If it then fails, you can at least say you gave it everything. 
floor the floor the gas, right? Floor the yeah. gas. No brakes. <laughs> Rip the brakes out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I yep. can totally imagine. I mean, actually, I can't really imagine, to be honest with you, being homeless and trying to survive in such a sometimes cruel world and harsh environments and people who mm-hmm. look down on you. I mean, this has to be a motivating factor for you, I'm thinking, to succeed in in a way that you have running businesses and whether you failed or not you learn a lot along the way so is that really your 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 deep down drive behind uh not failing and you know a lot of times i ask entrepreneurs was there a day when you wanted to throw in the towel and give up and i'm going to guess here that you 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 already did you were you already made it out of the hole so what's yeah. that what's that like in your head being homeless is 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 the bottom. It really is. Being homeless is extremely difficult. Being homeless as a teenager is almost impossible because even the, the help services that you have as an adult, you don't have as a teenager. You can't spend the night in a homeless shelter if you're under 18, unless you have a family member with you. And so, and, and then we're, and I'm talking 30 years ago when I was homeless, it was even more difficult back then. Uh, yeah, there were more than one time that I wanted to give up and, uh, I, I just got to say it's it's because of God that I didn't. Um, it's, it's the only thing that I can attribute that part to. Um, and crawling out of that, it really did teach me more than anything that the biggest mistake that I can make in business really isn't that bad. It's it's compared to what I've already been through. Maybe I lose a little bit of money. Oh well, you know it's worth trying. You know either way. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a good point that, that people need to understand who are listening, entrepreneurs out there. Mm-hmm. If you fail or if you make a mistake or if your business dies, who cares? You're still yeah. healthy. You're still alive. You can do something else. And guess what? You just learned a whole bunch yeah. of lessons of what, only, not, of what not to do, right? Exactly. I was going to say the only way you can actually really fail is by quitting. Yeah. You know, everything else is a stepping stone to greatness. And you must have transitioned uh, over the years from working jobs. I mean, you mentioned you worked at Microsoft, which is a nice, mm-hmm. a nice place to work. Uh, and well, we'll say, we'll say, uh, you know, theoretically for people who haven't worked there, it's a nice <laughs> place to work, but I've, I've heard stories of the tyrants, but we'll say that, uh, you know, you worked at Microsoft, you had other jobs, I'm sure. How did you transition from that to running your business full-time? Because there's a financial aspect that a lot mm-hmm. of people are afraid to obviously quit their jobs yeah. and start a business because where are they going to get paychecks from? How are they going to get their health insurance and so on and so forth? So what was that transition like for you? And what's your advice for people that want to venture out into entrepreneurship financially? That's an excellent question too, because yeah, it is difficult. And I know so many people these days that say, I don't even want to get a job. I just want to be an entrepreneur and do it all myself. And I tell them all the same thing, work for somebody else. You, you learn so much you don't understand how difficult it is to get up at seven or six o'clock in the morning to go to work or to stay late because you have to get something done. Even when you don't want to, it it really teaches you commitment to me Uh, being an entrepreneur. I know so many entrepreneurs that don't wake up before noon and you really can't be uh, to me. You can't be a successful entrepreneur without giving everything you've got. And so I say, yeah, get a job, do the entrepreneur thing on the side in the evenings, on the weekends. Is it going to take up a lot of your time? Yeah, but that's going to show your commitment as well. And then once you have the money coming in, then you can start transitioning from your regular job into your your entrepreneur job. You know, it's a very common way to put it 
a lot of people out there, myself included, you included, say mm -hmm. to run the business on the side while you have income. Yeah. And then as soon as the business starts to generate revenue to the point where you think, okay, I'm earning enough that I can quit my job, then you quit your job. So too many people quit and then go do it and then fail and then they're broke and then they're crying. And, but you know, we can only give our advice and people can take it for what it is. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Now we both run these uh, web mobile development shops. You have some SEO in yours as well, where yeah. we, where we have uh, employees around the world that we manage and yeah. it's got its ups and it's got its downs. It's got perks and advantages, disadvantages as well. Give me some of your perks and advantages of not only running your own business, but mm -hmm. also uh, having a, kind of like a low overhead, but also managing mm -hmm. people. What's it like for you? I got to say COVID has been awesome for us. Um, not, not in the way of being a, a, you know, a terrible, a terrible uh, virus going around, but just so many people have come to us because I've actually run a remote business since 2002. And back in 2002, people were always saying, what do you mean you don't have an office? What do you mean you don't have someplace where I can come in and, and see you? And nowadays they're saying, how do I do that? How do I create a remote workplace? And so it, I'm very glad to help people, especially local restaurants or one of the ones that we're helping a lot because it, it's hit them so hard. But I can help them figure out how to do stuff remotely, how to do stuff online, how to get the orders in when they don't have the big bucks of the big restaurant chains, things like that. Um, I just, I love having a remote workforce because it's, it gives the people a chance to be entrepreneurs themselves. Even though they're working for me, they're in charge of their time. And so they get that whole entrepreneurship and it gives them the advantage. I, I even helped one of my employees start their own business after working with me simply because they did such a great job, but they, they were true entrepreneur. And so it was exciting for me to see them take that step also. That's a great point is the fact that the people you've worked with have kind of branched out on their own. And mm -hmm. I've done similar things, whether it was technology or film or writing. And I've, mm -hmm. you know, have helped these people working on projects with me. I've taught them a lot of what I know and then helped them start their own business. That's, that's a great mm -hmm. point, man. And I think that that's a, that goes to your earlier point about people having to work for others. And I think that yeah. entrepreneurs should definitely not just work for others, but collaborate with other yeah. companies. So like say you're, you know, you're, you're into film and videography, work mm -hmm. with a production company. You know, you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to go get them coffee and be a production assistant, but try to physically work with them. Try to, you know, work with the cameras and, and learn from them when it comes to technology, you know, learn from what it is you're building for your customers, you know? So that's a great point. Yeah. And uh, of course I, I want to know a little bit about how people can do better SEO. Cause that's a big topic. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know I do a lot of SEO, whether it's blog posts and press mm -hmm. releases and using keywords and trending topics and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, like, yeah. what, are like, what are like the top three things you recommend to entrepreneurs if they want to improve the SEO mm -hmm. on their website or their mobile app or their product? Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't mind me doing a blatant plug, uh, the third edition of my book, Timeless SEO Secrets, just came out last month. And so it, it's hit the shelves. It's, it's on Kindle. You can do a paperback version or it's even on Audible now. It just came out on Audible. And it really is about SEO secrets that you can do yourselves. Uh, if, if, if some of your audience may not be familiar with it, Google just came out with two huge updates and they were ground changers. And the really big thing that Google decided that they wanted to do was they wanted to make sure that people got relevant results when they did searches. 
it doesn't sound groundbreaking, does it? <laughs> well, I mean, I know they use robots and they scrape a lot and, you know, they're, they're trying to get the most dynamic content available. They don't like a lot of static stuff. So um, that's why at least I always tell people, the more content you put out on a regular mm -hmm. basis, the more likely your content will be found versus the static websites out there. Uh, and that's actually one of the big changes they made because it's, it, I mean, the whole point of Google, Yahoo, Bing, Yandex, whatever search engine you want is, they want to make sure when you go onto their search engine and you type refrigerator repair that you don't get a whole bunch of websites about digital cameras or something else. They want it to be as relevant as possible. So one of the things they've actually taken out is the constant updates. What's more important now is, is quality of content. And, and not that you can only post once a year. You, know, you still want to do it semi-consistently. But the, the quality of the content is even more important now than it ever has been. But the big thing is the quality of the content has been important since I did my first website in 1995. And that, to me, that is the number one thing that you can do is, is provide quality content throughout your whole website, throughout your blog post, the whole nine yards, like I'm sure that you know about as well. Yeah, that's a big one. So, that's, so are there any others that you recommend? Keywords is another one. Figuring out the right keywords. Um, so let me, let me ask you, so yeah. keywords, let me ask you. So instead of just explaining the keywords, I'm sure people understand it because there's hashtags on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. <laughs> How right. do you how do you pick the right keywords? Well, one one great way to pick the right keywords, uh, and this is one great thing about the internet, especially if you're new in business and you're not sure what to do, find out what your competition is doing, and see what keywords they're using. So um, steal your competitor your competitor's <laughs> information. Great answer, everyone. Steal it. <laughs> no, it's it's not stealing. If I'm you kidding. I'm kidding. Enough, but <laughs> hey, imitation, but yeah, yeah. imitation is the best form of flattery, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to a point. <laughs> yeah, find out what your competition is using for their keywords and, and see. But here's the big thing: make sure that the keywords they're using aren't terrible keywords. <laughs> Right. So you, you got to kind of make sure that, that the keywords they're using are, are good enough for you to use as well. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I want to hear uh, your, your inspirational kind of wisdom for entrepreneurs out there who are listening and they got some valuable information from your story. But now, mm -hmm. what would you tell entrepreneurs who are listening, you know, how to be, how to work, how to live, you know, what kind of things should they do if they want to be an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Number one, I would say would be separate your work and your home. A lot of entrepreneurs work from home. And so maybe you just have a computer on your desk or, or, or a little desk in the corner. Find a way to separate it. Put walls around it. Put a partition around it. Say, this is my workspace. And at the end of the day, leave your workspace. Go home. Don't work anymore. Because um, what that does is, it, number one, it makes it a lot less easy to you know, get on the TV and do a you know, binge watch some streaming app or something like that. Uh, it, it, it really helps you to, to just sit down and say, okay, I'm working now. To me, that's the number one thing. And I actually, my office is a small building behind my house. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have that. And uh, it, it helps me out a lot because I know when I'm in my office, I'm working. When I leave the office, I'm not working anymore. So that's the number one thing to me. Do you have any other number twos or threes? Uh, yeah, kind of like I said, the only way to really fail is when you actually quit. Don't take failure as, or don't take a setback as a failure. And don't think in your mind just because you failed at something that you are a failure. Because like 
you're never a failure as long as you keep trying. I don't know the last time that a successful company had, you know, a successful company that's always doing the same thing had major breakthroughs because they're comfortable in what they're doing. Unless you have a setback and it makes you think, it makes you go into a different way, get you out of that comfort zone, then you have your breakthroughs much more than when things are going well. And of course, we all know Thomas Edison didn't, you know, didn't fail 10,000 times. He figured out 10,000 times that the light bulb wouldn't work. Exactly. And the one yeah. time it did work, that's how he put it. So, you know, don't fail. Just learn 10,000 times how to do something until you get it right, right? And that's really the, the lesson that people have to take home is to, it's, you're, you're not failing, you're learning. There's a big difference between those two words. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. One more time, where can people get your book? Uh, the book is Timeless SEO Secrets. It's available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, all of the um, um, EPUBs, um, including Apple and Google, and it's also on Audible if you want to listen to it. Awesome. And is there a website where people can learn more about you? Yeah, portbell.com. And there's links to my books and, and magazine articles and, and about the company as well. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much for coming, Ty. You were a pleasure to talk to. I loved hearing your inspirational story, man. Thank you, Jason. Jason, it was great to hear learn more about you as well. Awesome. And we'll see everybody in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you learned something in today's episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, on Amazon. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on udemy.com. Also, you can support this podcast by leaving me a positive review and also by visiting patreon.com slash strap on your boots to become a member and get bonus material. See you in next week's episode.